0: Hey, good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It's Wednesday, July 20th, which means a lot of things for me. Paul, Dan, you might appreciate this. It's the day before I get to buy Bruce Springsteen tickets. He's coming to St. Paul in March and tomorrow. So all day long, I'm reminding myself with alerts that tomorrow I have to get on and fight with other people on the Internet to get first in line to to buy Bruce Springsteen tickets. But we're not going to talk about great Bruce Springsteen music today. Probably do that tomorrow. Uh, i'll just allude to it uh but we will check in with paul martin who's going to be our guest today introduce him in a minute but we're going to tell you about the weather in minneapolis it's summer and it's great just just a proud day to be living where we live the sun's big the sun's bright sure i'm buried in a basement but we'll get back out there Paul martin you're in um southern california down in the san diego area
1: uh orange county yes southern california
0: how is it How's, how's the well, summer I mean, weather in
1: Orange County, my friend? The weather is Southern California. It's mild. And, um, you know, we do have this thing called June Gloom, and it lasts sometimes into July. So it, by the coast, it's gray. It's basically steam because our water is cooler and the sun is warm. And so by about noon, it it uh, clears up. But it's, it's wonderful. Chasing
0: off the gloom. Hey, Dan, producer Dan, uh, how, how are things looking in South Bend?
1: It is still hot, humid, uh, but it's been worse. So
0: it's <laughs> a great attitude. Paul, one of the reasons we love to chat about the weather at the beginning is because it's the one thing we actually do share, right? Like we, we're going to all have different thoughts in our heads, different stories we're living, different, uh, uh, desires for the world, but you walk outside and you and your neighbor at least share that. So it's a great, it's a great common point to remember, Hey. That's a thing, and the planet matters, and what's going on around well, us.
1: For, na- for now, it matters. Perhaps in days not too far from now, people will even be debating the weather. whether <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, uh, it's, it's hot or cold or left or right, or who knows. So
0: it is funny that you bring that up. I was in a conversation with uh, my in-laws, and we were talking about what, how percentages of rain are determined, like what does it mean when it says 40% chance of rain? And there's a complicated, but pretty clear answer to what that is. It means that in a given area that there's a chance of rain in 40% of the area. It's not about like your chance of winning the lottery. It's about rain in what portion of the area. Most people don't know this, right? They get confused. So if you, if you Google, like how is percentage of rain chances put together? It takes you to lots of places, including a Wikipedia article. And we had this little short conversation about this and you know, people are like, oh, that's just BS. When I was saying, it. I'm like, okay, here's the Wikipedia article description. It says it more clear and I read it. And then someone in the in-law family says, well, it's Wikipedia, who wrote that crap? You don't even know, you can't even, you know, you can't even trust Wikipedia. Like there it is, right? As soon as you disagree with an idea, you just go right after the source. Yeah, which is something the, internet, gonna...
1: because the internet told me.
0: Yeah, the internet told me it's, it's unreliable, which is something we're gonna talk about today because uh, our conversation today is around the conflict in the United States for some people, is all about policy. So we think about a series of topics. You've put out a great YouTube video on this. You know, from guns and and choice and reproductive uh, freedoms and inflation and military and spending and all kinds of things. But that's not really where the divide has ever been in the United States. Uh, you, you articulate this. I, I agree that it's more about identity and how people see themselves and this liberal conservative progressive conservative left right wing divide is um, really not about individual topics and ideas it's about how people see see the world so that's what we're going to be talking about today and i think it really matters your background's interesting uh you work in faith spaces you pass you have pastored churches you've run for congress as a more progressively leaning republican in 2018 in southern california uh you've have worked in still consult with nonprofit groups what what else about your background is important for people to know of as as they hear you talking about these issues with us today
1: a couple of things i think that are unique people wouldn't know this but i come from an immigrant family my mother immigrated Mm -hmm. from italy as a teenager my father is Mexican. Uh, my last name is more like Ricky Martin's last name. So my last name is Martin, um, predominantly Spanish. But I came from a home with uh, very much, uh, you know, son of immigrants. And what came along with that, and I didn't know it at the time, is each my mother and father experienced forms of discrimination growing up. My father still remembers no Mexican signs. Uh, here in Orange County and was lucky enough, he's a lighter Mexican, to have gone to a segregated school for lighter skinned people, where most all of his family and friends that were Mexicans went to the school for dark skinned people. Um, and of course in the 1950s, when my mother immigrated from Italy, there were, there were conspiracy theories as we know, even in the 50s. And one of them was that uh, the Pope and Rome Uh, was trying to infiltrate the United States. And so my mother was, you know, she had so many accounts of being heckled for being a a guinea, a wop. Um, And also there was an anti-Italian thing. So even though I look like a typical white guy, and I guess that I am, I have a fairly rich history with parents that understood some of the issues we'll talk about in a bit. Mm.
0: Well, that's, that's super helpful. And it's true, right? We all bring uh stories that run deeper than simply what our appearances are and that's a really important part of of understanding so you've launched this youtube channel and you mentioned a couple of times in the video that i saw that it's a self-help channel or it's a, a personal benefit channel but it talks about uh, important issues that are going on in people's heads right like how they think about the world and and how that contrasts with others can you just give us a, a quick recap of this video that led us to this conversation that you put up? Um, what's your thesis in that in that video about what we're facing in the United States and and this this dilemma that you think uh, we need to understand in order to be better for ourselves and better with each other?
1: Yes, well, two things. I think on the self help, I you know I figured what we probably don't need is another talking head expounding on the political climate i mean there are people that would do that right. far better than i would we've
0: got that we've got that covered, glad to got do that, covered right? <laughs> i'm glad I'm, I'm
1: serious doug and i've watched some you know tremendous uh progress uh even with with your work and other groups and and i and i thought you know it, it, no matter what and i say this in my first video the one that you saw was my second was in the very best case in 2022 Uh, even for a person that's non-political, there is somebody living rent-free in their head. Uh, Even for the non-political people, they they can't believe that Roe versus Wade was overturned. They might not be political, but there is some idea living rent-free in their head. That's the best case, or an uncle, or an aunt, or a brother, or a sister who's pro-Trump, or doesn't believe that Biden's senile, right? So in the best case, we're more bothered uh, and and that stresses relationships. Forget about riots in the Capitol. We are living in a time where our relationships, which matter most, every study ever done in the history of studies on happiness will say that relationships are king and queen. And so I wanted to kind of root this a little bit more in the practical. Um, this political unrest, this social unrest is affecting people in a And you know, in a in a a really basic way, Um, and then of course there are much bigger issues like insurrections in our capital, uh, and in that case, uh, it's affecting us in a really big way. In my last video that you saw, just very quickly, um, and I say that you know nobody's nobody's losing sleep or having relationships end over higher gas prices, right? It's inconvenient and I know that for people who live, you know, closer to the poverty line, it it could be in many cases, um, you know, devastating in a way, but um, gas prices or global warming or healthcare, people are not dying over things that could be legislated through a new law. But that's very different when it comes to issues surrounding identity race ethnicity sexual expression i mean there are basically two camps and one camp celebrates celebrates they have parades around america being about self-expression and diversity and you have another group that thinks that that very celebration is what's destroying the country and some are willing to go to war over it
0: yeah and it's it's really a question of power isn't it like it's it's not it's not debatable if there's difference in america we know there's different cultural backgrounds we know there's different races we know people live differently there's different sexual uh, structures there's all kinds of stuff going on the question is whose whose country is it who's in control who's who gets to set the agenda Mm -hmm. and that is really where the struggle comes and you know you you reference and some other people have even said we heard from the january 6th you know uh, hearings last week somebody that was part of the the proud boys and and uh, or the oath keepers organization mm-hmm. that they're really trying to ferment a foment a civil war mm-hmm. that kind of thing's been going on for a long time you, you and i are probably uh both of the age that we remember the f- country's fascination with helter skelter you know with uh the 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 murders in in california uh done by um what's the guy's name i forgot
1: manson yeah charles
0: manson thank you charles manson and if you remember that whole thing they wrote a bunch of racial Mm -hmm. words with the the blood of the people this horrible story that is that for 40 50 years has captured the american psyche about how bad. And it was designed to fuel a race war right that that it was trying to bring about this this conflict there have been people seeing these divides for a very long time trying to wedge apart the country my own opinion is no one has had that level the level of impact that donald trump and the trump administration has had on making that happen because we've never had someone at his level of national influence and authority doing such things so we're we are in a different moment here but the conditions have been in place for a long time and that is that liberals and conservatives feel that there's an existential threat if the other group is in charge if the other group has power whatever power you have is going to be taken from you like that question and and again that has been going on. for. We had a civil war over this. We've had quiet civil wars for a long time. We ended up putting in you know, Jim Crow laws in the South because there were a lot of people in the United States who didn't want freed slaves to then have equal power because if they have power, we don't. So it's a very powerful zero-sum game. But it goes on in the background of, of the thinking of a whole lot of people in this country. And when it comes out publicly or in social spaces or between relatives or friends. It's really scary for people to hear how deeply we fear one another.
1: Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, which is so much of this, you you said something just 30 seconds ago about below the surface, we all know that um, most of our thoughts are subconscious thoughts. Um, You know, someone's thrown thrown around 10% versus 90% like an iceberg, right 90% of it. But I'm absolutely convinced that much of the fear on the right is subconscious fear. Um, It's this kind of subconscious, you know, and we have to talk about tribalism as well, because tribalism is part of our evolutionary history. We want to be with our tribes. We like our sports teams, but it's benign for me to like my alma mater UCLA and be loyal to my college uh, alma mater. Uh, It is not benign to be as loyal to my political party as we saw on January 6th. And that's a distinction, again, I don't think is being, the the psychology of tribalism I think is is very connected to this. I think many of these people on the right, uh, and I consider myself a Republican still in the sense of, I believe in the classical social contract of republics, I do like the general idea, as someone who's worked a lot in Washington DC, I do not think that the federal government is always the most efficient instrument for implementing change. I like Ben and Jerry's in Patagonia and and companies that are out there doing good that aren't being regulated, but um, I'm going around a bit. But I guess my point is much of this fear that you refer to uh, is subconscious. It's not for the Proud Boys. And it's not for the Oath Keeper, right. but it most certainly is for these people in our communities that really don't know why they will vote Republican no matter what. But I think in there is a, mi- a blend of tribalism and then kind of fear over this identity issue that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, and, and it is real. Look, people <clears throat> truly believe and, and on you know I, I have real fears that if someone like Donald Trump becomes the president again after all that he's done and this country gives its stamp of approval and selection, That's going to say something to us that's going to harm this country in a way that we won't ever, it'll, it'll be a scar in this country that will dictate the future. And I'm terrified of it. Now, some people who hear me say that, and they've told me love loved ones and others like, dude, you're unbelievably worried about that. Like, it's going to be okay. Even if it's Trump, look at what happened over the last four years, five years. Sure. He came in, did all this terrible stuff. But look, we're all still here. The sun's still shining. You still talk about the weather at the start of every podcast. People still love each other. You, you know, your, your grandchildren are still growing. you like, it's okay. D- stop being so alarmist about what the possibilities are. And I'm like, no, that's not actually true. He's truly harming like, <laughs> right? So I, I am yeah. locked in on what I see as the danger, right? I don't think it's irrational. I think it's rooted. So to myself, I see myself as totally reasonable. I've sat in a bar arguing with Proud Boys just before Trump's election. And they're telling me about what terrible things will happen if Black Lives Matter leaders and Joe Biden become the president of the United States and has this power. And they're convinced that this entire cascade of the de-evolution of the family and of the capitalist system and the economy, like they are equally as paranoid as I am if Trump were to ever get it. So this is the place where... Where we find ourselves, right? And I don't think I'm being unreasonable. I think there's true, real damage that will come, and the future of America is not determined. It's it's in our hands, and uh, and yet other people would see. Well, I've been around the religion world long enough, uh, where you know people say that folks like me ruin religion, can break Christianity, which I think is unbreakable because it's you know, all kinds of reasons. Um, so so this conflict that exists between us that um the civil unrest is not so much about what do we view the government and this is why for me some of the old schooly republicans like talking about i just want to limit government influence like okay i just don't think regulation's the thing any of us really need to be all that worried about i think the government's desire to limit human interaction with each other is really scary and Funny enough, I see Trump as fascist and the people who hate Biden see Biden as a fascist. Like we both throw those those things around, um, seeing one another as the true existential threat. Now, I would say, I think my opinion has some better views around it, that it actually is more dangerous and it's been proven to be so. Unite the right rallies, insurrections, uh, kids in cages, just just go down the list. And this other story of you're going to lose your, capitalism and you know you're not going to have families anymore and churches aren't going to be able to worship and all that seems to be just rooted in nothing other than other than fear h- how do you respond to something like that because i don't think you see yourself in quite the alarmist space that that i see myself in you know if republicans are ever in charge again but uh, so h- how do you wrestle with this
1: well first i absolutely do see it as a uh, existential threat if trump given what happened was reelected i i think this 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 whole project could collapse i was speaking to one of my republican friends the other day and i said you know but did you watch the hearings and he said well you know i i don't really have any feelings he he hasn't been convicted and i just keep thinking of watergate i mean just the way the structure of our government works it begins with hearings that's the way our, our system with checks and balances works um, and at the time, I think three or four months before uh, uh, Nixon resigned, uh, I think 70 to 80% of Republicans still supported him. And so I said to my friend, he sat, I mean, just forget what you're hearing on Fox News. He sat in the Oval Office for hours as the nation's capital was being stormed with smoke and guns and nooses and uh, you know all these things. And his number one oath of office the first thing <laughs> is our is, is our national protector right this, these are what yeah. presidents do they take this oath to protect and i and i again it's one of these conversations where there's this fall, kind of false equivalency kind of yeah. thing because you know well look at all the 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 antifa crime and I, and like antifa or whatever they call it and I'm thinking, I mean, we can go back, you know, a few years or a few decades, and how many mass shootings in schools or churches, or how many people were lynched? And the right, we can the 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 evidence is overwhelming that it's been the right that has been militant. Sure, Black Lives Matter march, but again, if we're talking about manifestos being written by mass shooters in Texas, racist manifestos. There isn't an argument or the commander in chief of the United States of America sitting in his White House kitchen for hours as the nation was being sacked by a bunch of terrorists, 315 who have confessed to their crimes. And again, trying to have that it, we're talking about brute facts. The guy that got in front of the the, uh, the hearings was a proud boy. He was the head of their communications. He worked like this with their founder. And yet, again, it's this kind of tribalism that you see with people on, I, personally, as a Republican, people on the right, except for Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and these people that actually have free thoughts. It is a great threat. And why more Republicans aren't, concerned um, is baffling, but I hear that those numbers are starting to change, right?
0: I think so. I, I think they are. I, and look, I'm no historian and I was raised in Minnesota and so we didn't think a lot about the Civil War here really other than we were on the we're the good guys and there were people on the bad guy side. But as I've paid attention as an adult to what went on in the Civil War, When there was no accountability for States seceding from the union and then unleashing a devastating murderous war called the civil war, killed more American Americans than any other war, just brutal for four years. And then at the end of that, those same generals and leaders were just brought into the Senate and into Congress. And we never reconciled it. There was never a, a price paid. In fact, monuments have been put inside of the U.S. Capitol, remembering them. Like we don't tend to critique the very actions that we saw on January 6th and so on. So there's a, a long history in the United States of not reconciling with these bad, and actually turning these folks into, into heroes. So in somewhere in the 1970s in Minnesota at Metal Brook Elementary School in Golden Valley, I'm learning the song Dixie. I wish I was in the land of cotton where old times there are not forgotten. Look away, look away. i like, why am I singing a Civil War, you know, Confederate song? It's just unbelievable. Like we have a, we tell ourselves right now, we will never forget. This is going to be a big thing. And yet we don't reconcile these, these dilemmas. Like we don't have an ability in the, public psyche even to deal with slavery or to deal with dropping of nuclear weapons like the ability to critique America's own actions very low right in our in our public psyche which seems like it's something has something to do and and you could you could do the same I guess if you found people on the other side of the political spectrum doing such things I don't have that list I can't seem to find anything that's even remotely close right like when someone's like oh they burned the Wells Fargo in Minneapolis I'm like okay and as it turns out, no, they didn't. The, they arrested the people who did that. And do you know who it was? White supremacists that came into Minnesota and were trying to stir up a Charles Manson-like race war. So that it was even even those actions were done by that same crowd, right? So all of that to say, we're not prone in this country to have a narrative of, let's reconcile this. Like, let's really deal with the issues. Let's really talk about them. Instead, we get confused about who heroes are, And we always see ourselves as the heroes, right? No matter which side you're on, no matter what you've done, there's a way you see yourself as a hero. And that seems like it's sort of a piece of what I felt like you were getting at in your video and trying to raise this question of, look, liberals and conservatives are not just political ideas. They're like moral, psychological categories that really keep us separated from each other. And if we don't know that and recognize that, uh, we're never going to actually be able to Deal with these issues in our society and i'm kind of wondering do we want to deal with these issues in our society or do we just teeter-totter back and forth between which side has more has more political power
1: i mean i couldn't agree with everything that you said more uh and it seems to me that the right you know there's a fascinating documentary that you might have seen it's ken burns's vietnam and it's 20 hours of Ken Burns just going all the way from World War II until us withdrawing from Vietnam. And there's a section where they're looking at the anti-war protesters and they're getting into the whole broad way in which young, and I say this in my video, young people are saying to their government, Mm -hmm. no, this this is new for us, right? Because there used to be this idea of patriotism and blah, 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 blah. And what's fascinating about this little moment is he actually shows, and I didn't know this group existed in the way that it did, but these anti-war protesters everybody knew Vietnam was a mess in 1970. Everybody knew that this was a waste. People were dying. Everyone knew we didn't want our boys dying anymore in a war that had nothing to do with the purpose of going in. But there was a right wing response Mm -hmm. to these protesters. And I kind of knew that, but when you see the video of these Republicans, these patriots, that's the word, to question your government, to be anti-war, you are a pinko now, right? You are a pro-communist. And it seems like the the Republican party, when we get to this idea of patriotism, and this Mm -hmm. is what I was trying to do in my video, when we see that flag, You know, this is kind of a metaphysical question. What does America mean? And this is the problem. Because on the right, it means this kind of unyielding loyalty, no matter what. No matter what, we don't want to talk about these problems. We want to stop talking about race. We don't even want to teach our kids in certain states. We don't want to use the word slavery anymore because that makes us look bad. Yeah. Um, Where if you are a realist, and hey, this country has done great things. I'll never forget. I saw the. Uh, and by the way, you brought up the Springsteen tour. I will be fighting you uh, on <laughs> on in the digital world tomorrow. I can't yeah, even wait. Yeah. Um, didn't realize that you were a fan. Um, but uh, oh man, where was I going? Oh, I lost my train of thought. That's right. Let's talk
0: about Bruce Springsteen music for an hour. We can do <laughs> That's that. That's true. That easy enough.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, no. Yeah. So this I, this idea this idea I think is that I think
0: you got it. You got your thought back. Because oh, I think where you were going was that one notion on the right is that there's unflinching respect for whatever we've done in the United States because goodness came from it. So any harm that has right. also
1: come is. Yeah. And it reminds me, the Republican party of which I'm a part, reminds me of a of a, of a highly dysfunctional family where you just don't talk about the problems. Yeah. You just, you know, don't, that's being disloyal. And I know a thing or two about this firsthand, unfortunately, uh, Bono is at the Rose Bowl in front of 100,000 people, and Bono is not some right-wing ideologue by any stretch, but I'll never forget him saying this. He said, America, you have been so good. I have worked around the world, especially in Africa, and your generosity is unparalleled. Now, I thought that was a very special moment because people like Bono are oftentimes castigated or swept aside as being liberal or progressive, but this has been generally speaking a generous nation when it comes to um giving especially financially in other parts of the world but it seems like the republican party takes it as disloyal to be honest Mm -hmm. so the woke movement of which i consider myself a part to me is just you know it's kind of like socrates like know thyself like let's be honest with ourselves as a nation We've done some really bad things, really bad things with slaves and Chinese and Mexicans and Japanese. And and we've done some really good things. But let's be honest with ourselves. That is a, a conversation that the far right does not want to have. Because yeah. And and, un- and America
0: doesn't want to have too, right? I mean, overall, like we we tend not to. There, um there's a side of the other part of the American culture that W- wants to remind this, us of the failures of our country, which are legion, um, in, internal to our country, work internationally, and therefore nothing that we ever do should be considered penance to make this country good. So mm-hmm. good and bad, we're moral, we're not moral. Some people wanna say we're everything is good, no matter what, because we've done enough good to weigh the balance. Some people want to say there's this other balance. Some people want to say, let's just stop using those categories at all. Let's, let's stop putting a conclusion on these things. Right. Uh, that's actually where I'm finding myself now, because the more you spend time in this area is just to say, look, the United States, this idea of moral goodness, it's a, it's a myth. It's a myth internally to our own lives. It doesn't work well when you're like, are you a good person or a bad person? Why do good people go here and bad people go? Like that notion, good people, bad people, I don't know, spend a little time around people and you're like, you know what people are? Complicated people. People do stuff that doesn't make sense. Right, so I have a lot of friends that really despise Bill Clinton's coining of the the kind of phrase, there's nothing wrong with America that can't be solved by what's good with America, right? That kind of idea, like we can, but we're gonna overcome it and we're ultimately gonna be good. Barack Obama was famous for that kind of thing too. Like, yes, we're gonna recognize this, but the greatness of America, I don't know, we need something in our lexicon that doesn't put moral goodness and moral depravity, at the at the um uh, on the on the on the balance okay can I, can I show this video that we talked about earlier this is a video that i have watched Please. so many times and i'm not sure why i keep watching it other than it reminds me and it's 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 powerful it's this minute long, minute and a half long clip of men who broke into the united states capitol in the insurrection and they're inside the united states senate dais They've taken it over. The Capitol Police are in the room with them, not driving them out, sort of feeling overwhelmed because there's a bunch of these guys are in there and they don't know what to do. And I think there's a lot of sympathies inside those those Capitol Police movement, too. So it's my own opinion uh, to these guys. And they pray this prayer inside the senate dais that is a prayer extremely familiar to those of us from certain religious traditions we recognize the cadence we recognize some of the verbiage recognize the world's big invocation that they've come in the name of jesus what you will notice in it if you've never seen it for other viewers it's a little shocking but you watch how they demonize a group of people they name you know categorize them and then see themselves as the heroes that we are the people bringing love. We are the people walking in the light of God and the other people are the people in the darkness. And this darkness and light thing, these are the insurrectionists led by this prayer, led by what the person has been commonly referred to as the QAnon shaman. So who knew the QAnon shaman was also a you know Christian revivalist uh, inside the U.S. Uh, said that. So here's here's this video and then we can talk about it. All the way
1: back to the monument. All the way. Jesus Christ, we you your name?
0: Amen! Amen! Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Let's all say a prayer in this sacred space. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for gracing us with this opportunity. Thank you, Heavenly
0: Father. Amen. For this opportunity to stand up for our God given unalienable rights.
1: Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police
0: officers to allow us in this building. To allow us to exercise yes, our rights. To allow us to send
1: a message to Amen. all the tyrants, the communists, and the globalists that this is our nation, not theirs. Yes. That we will not allow the, America, the American way of the United States of America to go down. Thank you, divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for
0: filling this chamber with your white light of love, with your white light of harmony. Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you and that love Christ. Thank you divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God for blessing each and every one of us here and now. Thank you divine creator God for surrounding and filling us with your divine omnipresent white light of
1: love, protection, peace, and harmony. Thank you for allowing the United States of America to be reborn. Thank you for allowing us to get rid of the communists, the globalists, and the traitors within our government. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen! rather shocking isn't it uh this prayer these guys take over the senate dais they're the villains in the story but not in their own story they're the heroes led by god bringing about something good that the country can be reborn thanking god for the police officers allowing them to come in like what what you're seeing there is in some ways this extreme version of this conflict that happens internally in our country that people are so afraid of the others in their words the communists the globalists the tyrants and the traitors and that they're the ones that are then walking in the light in the light of god so i mean it's just full of i've watched this so many times because it's christian nationalism it's it indicts whatever happened on january 6th and how it all came about uh, how these people walk unfettered around these spaces for this period of time, and they're recording it, and they're proud of it, and they see themselves as the good guys and as the heroes. I think all of those people now have been arrested and are, have been charged with crimes, and I think a number of them are in jail. I'm not sure what they think about that now, if they've reconsidered, but that is this moment, it, it sort of strikes me, as as what happens in the, in smaller ways in the rest of our society around so many of these issues.
1: I hadn't seen it, a couple of thoughts. Uh, I have the chills. Um, It's very disturbing. I think about Lincoln, you've heard the quotation, America will never be destroyed from the outside. And that is as far as inside (laughs) where they were as it gets. Uh, If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Fascinating. I think about, a lot of things percolating here, but Nazi Germany. And, you know, of course, anytime anybody brings up Nazi Germany, they're going to call you a freak and a fatalist and a fanatic. And how could you make the comparison? But, you know, a sophomore, a sophomore high school sophomore study of Nazi Germany will show that Hitler began his campaign in the 1920s. It wasn't with death camps, of course. And it was this kind of, you know, kind of etching away at, Um, society through propaganda, through lies. It was Mussolini's idea of plucking one feather at a time. Um, Millions of Christians backed this guy up. Yeah. Um, So we shouldn't be surprised um, at all by this idea of nationalism. But I think one thing Trump, and I agree with you that Trump, six years ago, none of this was happening. I wrote a blog post called Making America White Again which referenced an article uh, interview that Patrick Buchanan did on NPR, where he said, essentially, uh, we don't wanna be a ethnically diverse nation. Ethnically diverse nations don't last. And the interviewer says, you realize what you're talking about. You realize the implication. He says, I don't care what people think. There was a time, you know, and I talk about this in my video, where America was great based on ethnic yes. uh, uh, reasons. But I, I think the main point with trump and if you, if there are any republicans listening um i hope you can hear me in this sense i know you think i'm a rhino but hitler was a master at psychology and sociology and one of the things that hitler did he was he's a master at is just being angry he was yeah. he was the greatest uh, he was as consistent as he was outraged at those things that are diminishing our nation. And we found out that most of them were benign, but he was really good at getting angry at Jews and gays and Romas and communists and others, right, from the outside. And, you know, this guy's talking about the communists, like really, is communism a threat? to this nation in 2022? (laughs) Like I remember communism, I'm 57 years old. There, you know, we know, we we remember the Cold War, but is North Korea and the spreading of Marxist (laughs) ideology like really a big threat in this nation? But Trump was amazing at demonizing the Democrats. He was fantastic at it. Like every time he got up, he was raging mad Similar to Hitler, I'm not saying he wants to exterminate people. I'm just saying he was consistent and outraged at the threat of others. It was the caravans, it was the Muslims, it was the communists, it was the socialists. And let's face it, none of those things are existential threats. Those outside forces are not existential threats. As a matter of fact, the existential threat is what I talked about in my video sociologists saying that this project called the united states of america is not quite as stable as we think
0: yeah and and the divide between people uh, this idea that we are going to see one another as the threat is is real i but i don't know that america has an other narrative like we we've always mistrusted each other, right? And there's been debates in the United States about who do you trust and not. You go back into the twenties and thirties, you you know, you literally go back to, to Lindbergh, who's known famous for flying an airplane around, you know around the globe for the first time, also was the guy who coined make America great, right? And his thing was a white only nation in the United States. So those arguments, and part of the reason that didn't want to get engaged in with Germany in what we now call world war ii was didn't want to have the jews sent to the united states right like there was blockades in the united states uh, congress to not allowing refugees to come from germany into the united states so this stuff has been going on right for a very long time and of course you know our great original sin of taking land that's not ours and exterminating and putting indigenous peoples onto, onto Uh, reservations. So like, there's been a series of practices that have sort of come along. And what I think you bring up so well is unless we reconcile some of that or find some way to not see one another only as the enemy, we're really in trouble. But I'm not sure we can do that. I I just, I mean, theoretically, of course we can, but practically does the United States of America have the skill to pull this off? do we know how to do this it's a real question and and i think we don't but i think we could develop it and that's where what i thought was interesting about your notion of taking like personal development theory and aligning it with these topics is really interesting like could we individually and collectively develop the skills to deal with these issues and to be able to look at ourselves in a way, because here's what people will do. They'll watch that video. They'll we'll watch the insurrectionists hearing on, on Thursday. And we'll say those people, they did it. We don't say us. We yeah, don't say absolutely. we, I don't yeah. tend to say, you know what we did as America, we attacked our capital. I say those yeah. people attacked our capital. Like I separate yeah. myself from the, and then we argue about who's the we and the we the people, and you right. know we'll say, yeah, well I didn't enslave anyone, other people did, and I didn't do this, but other people did, and so the question really becomes, can can the we the people of this country reconcile ourselves with ourselves? Is that possible? We're working on a little project that we'll, I'll talk to you about later because really you know, another day here really dovetails into what you're doing, and it's it's a, a project on helping people overcome the divides in their most important relationships around these issues. Mm. So it's a project that's designed to say, can you develop a series of skills to allow you to reconcile with important relationships that you've lost because of religion and politics in the last yeah. four years?
1: Right. We're gonna, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm keen to learn more about that. I push back maybe a tiny bit, um, three quick things. What's different today, of course, versus in the 1960s, is that the census says by 2040 or so, whites will be the minority in this nation. I think that is um, monumental. And I think many people that are tuned into white nationalism are very aware of that, obviously. They're, they're aware of that statistic. Most aren't. The second thing I'll say is, um, and I say this in my first video, and this is where I have hope. This is all theory right now. You and I, we're doing theory. It's like Bob Dylan says, and you who philosophize disgrace, like we're philosophizing (laughs) disgrace right now. And that's okay. But, and I say this in my first video, we can have a coworker who is the most, you know, I could be like the biggest Trump supporter in the history of the world. And I could have a coworker who is like, contributes to AOC. And when we are with these people, Whether they be aunts or uncles or coworkers or next door neighbors, all of a sudden they're not that bad of, you know, like he's a really nice guy, but yeah, he's kind of a crazy liberal. But, you know, for the most part in our communities with those who think differently than us, we don't tend to see John, who works across the cubicle from me, who has a Bernie sign and I'm a Trump supporter, as an evil person. We might disagree with him. And so I tend to have hope if we can abstract from the abstract down to the local relationships. And in in the recent video I talk about, I don't want to be wonky, but like, you know, beliefs are the weirdest thing. Yeah. Because ultimately, we're talking about beliefs here. People believe this, or be- they believe this, but we're under a great, um, it's a fallacy to think that we can simply choose our beliefs. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy, like I believe in God, I can't, as a matter of will, decide right now, okay, I'm going to choose to not believe in God anymore, any more than you could choose that you're going to give, you know, write a thousand dollar check to Ron DeSantis. Like, we can't simply, beliefs are complicated. We kind of find ourselves, every one of us, uh, whether it be along, the big three, religious, religion, politics, and science, we find ourselves with these convictions. Some are very mm-hmm. intense, some aren't. But I think if we can understand that about our political enemy. Yeah, they really like, and, and I think you're doing a good job of this. Those guys that were praying, like they really believed what they were praying. Totally. And They really, really believed that they were doing the ultimate justice to this nation in the name of Jesus. And I think you're brilliant in thinking this way, Doug. If we can come to understand that that's where they really, they're not just bad fascists, which (laughs) I mean, the the judicial system uh, is going to put them in jail, many of them. But I think if we can, it sounds like you're the project. If we can realize that these people really believe that there's going to be a possibility at least of some sort of, I mean, some sort of the mercy or understanding versus yeah. war
0: so April 15th 2018 Donald Trump came to Minneapolis area uh, just south of Minneapolis actually a little area called Shakopee to brag about the passing of the tax bill and that stirred up a bunch of people that are like we're going to protest when the president comes It was also the time when he started to really turn on Ilan Omar, my representative, the representative here in Minnesota, said to her, go back to where you came from and can't have, you know, Somali Americans in Congress and all of this. So she's from here. So it really ramped up the pressure. Trump was going to go to a factory and say, you know, this factory wouldn't be able to exist if we didn't do this important bill. Which the irony of it is the factory was well working before they ever passed the bill. So apparently they didn't need that bill in order for the factory to work. So they probably should have gone to an empty field and said, someday there will be a factory here. But that kind of logic is not, is not what they're, what they're up to. So this is in Shakopee, Minnesota, a small little two lane road leading into the factory. That's where the protesters against president Trump's coming to the, to Minnesota and for. Uh, ilan ilan omar and then trump supporters gathered on two side on both sides of the road this little teeny two-lane road i had a radio show at the time and so i went down there to interview people on both sides and so with a camera and a microphone i walked back and forth across the road now these are people in minnesota right this is not a huge state uh these are people that all were within driving distance of this small little road in Shakopee, minnesota you're talking about a small cohort of people in a state that's you know not all that not all that diverse so i'd walk on one side with the ilhan omar supporters and then walk over to the trump supporters what i heard on both sides when i said hey tell, tell me why you're here and what you're experiencing people on both sides said this i have no idea who those people are and they would point across the road I can't understand them for the life of me. Now, they really tended to look like there's more diversity on the Ilan Omar supporting side, but not by much. These are people literally like they're all within driving distance and they're saying, I cannot imagine who these people are. I don't get them at all. Right. So we'd go, I'd go back and forth and hear it over and over. And then I would say to them, you know, it's really interesting. That person over there with the yellow jacket on, he said the same thing about you. And they're like, we're not hard to understand. Like both sides thought we're not hard to understand. They're hard to understand. It was really interesting. The other point that came out of it is the Trump supporters, people on the Trump supporting side also added this to their to their narrative. They said, and you know what? I'm not a bad person for supporting Donald Trump. And it was funny. I would say like, well, I didn't say you were a bad person. Like, wh- why do you bring this up? It came up with almost everybody, some version of this. And they would say, oh, come on. I see you, you're walking over to that side, you think I'm a bad person and my son thinks I'm a bad person and my coworkers think I'm a bad, per- and I'm not a bad person. Like the narrative that if you support Trump, you're a bad person, that had broken through to the people on that side. And this is the question, That it was this moment where it was like, okay, the, the divide in this country isn't between strangers, the divide is also amongst those who are close to each other. And that same thing just built over years of the Trump administration with people in their very own families saying, I th- feel like I don't even know who you are. I just, you you seem like an enigma that I can't possibly understand. And the lack of understanding among those close to us is what I think turns people into a, into a threat with one another. So I'm just wondering if you have any reflections on that or if that's something you've also experienced or any thoughts about that.
1: I, again, this is, um... Enriching this time with you, Um, it comes to this idea of silos, I suppose. And within, you know, a fifty-mile radius, this group hanging with each other in whatever (laughs) (laughs) settings. And um, my daughter lives in Boston, and she was recently in upstate New York. And we tend to think of New York as a liberal state. Of course, it's it is in the city and it's not so much in the rural area and she was in a, a rural area and went and got a drink with a friend and um, was in shock. Um, she's a progressive thinker and uh, she was in this bar and, and just couldn't believe how, you know, she just said it was a Trump rally, you know, <laughs> like just the shirts and the the, the, the talk and the, uh, she ended up talking to a lot of these people and They had an agenda, uh, and then she said they were very nice. Um, But I, you know, I think of just that bar being a, you know, a uh, silo uh, for a certain ideology, a certain way of thinking, and and we see this geographically, and we haven't even started talking about red states yet, or or rural communities versus urban communities. I mean, I live in California, Uh, you know, I'm 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 biased, but. i've lived here my whole life other than three years i lived overseas uh there are it's it's not going to hell i mean this is a freaking amazing (laughs) country i love hollywood i love palm springs we have silicon valley we have the beaches we have the redwoods we have san francisco like it's not a bad place um i have friends moving the heck out because they live in a blue state these are people that live in orange county it's not. We don't see homeless people here for the most part, you know. It's it's beautiful. It's 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 a really not. You've been. It's a nice place to live. But now we have this idea of, well, I'm moving to Idaho, or I'm moving to Texas, yes. or I'm moving to, you know, South Carolina, because I live in a blue state, and Gavin Newsom is a communist, and I like. We're, we're actually seeing this. A, yes. one that really gets me because I I worked for the last four years for a NGO as a CEO in child welfare and worked very closely with the department of health and human services and in these urban areas like ferguson or south chicago or oakland or you know these places or the bronx um you know trump had a narrative which was really Mm -hmm. sinister to me which is the problem is democrat mayors Democrat governors. I mean, that that's sickening to me as someone who understands this space intimately well, that it's not that Democrats are, you know, number one, Democrats are going to win in those areas because of the demographic. But I have to say that if it wasn't for the Democrats for many decades, uh, including Lyndon Johnson, fighting for trying to invest money in these communities, God knows what those communities would be like. I'm not saying the Democrats have done it perfectly, but this trope that the problems with these inner cities is that they're run by Democrats. It's just pathetically, it's untrue, but again, it's a way in which you can just divide. And so the problem in California is we have a Democrat governor even though there's a surplus, the economy's roaring here, blah, 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 blah. And again, it just, it's another level of binary thinking that Trump brought in.
0: Well, and it brings up the point I think that we're getting at here is that it's about identity, right? So you ask a Republican like, hey, what's your core thing? Well, at some point they'll get around to, well, I think the federal government needs to stay out of it. And I think things are done better in the democracy of the states. Then you're like, but you're gonna leave California because you have a Republican or because you have a Democrat governor. I thought, oh, yeah, because now it's not about the federal government's overreach. It's not about unelected judges passing, you know, uh, legislation from the bench. Oh, no, it turns out it's just I don't want to live in a state where the people in charge are these people. Right. And I hear the same thing from my friends who live in states where the majority of elected officials are Republicans. I can't this whole notion of red states, blue states. I'm not going to try to be, you know, I'm not trying to be. Barack Obama in 2004, uh, John Kerry's inauguration or, uh, uh, you know, nomination meeting where he said there's no red states and blue states, there's a United States. But this idea that this is how we classify it. You people have power. Therefore, I don't want to live in your world. It's not about the federal government. I mean, some people move out of cities because they don't like it that the nonpartisan mayor is really deep down a Republican or a Democrat. Right? So there's something more going on. And what I'm afraid of is that we have a narrative in our heads and in our country and just sort of maybe in humanity, that familiarity and closeness is what will solve these problems and nothing could be further from the truth. Absolutely. Most violence in America is domestic violence. In other words, harming someone who you live with and have loved or do love that the amount of how close you are to someone does not mean you're going to understand them or care for them look human beings self-harm like if anything should tell us that we're that proximity and closeness that you'd stop hurting yourself right you you wouldn't live and you wouldn't talk about yourself the way you do in the quiet in the quiet of your own of your own head uh, right. Whether it's in fun or not, you know, or you wouldn't think of yourself the way you do when you look in the mirror. So the, uh, we're not gonna get there by closeness. And I know that a lot of times we go to Germany and we should, because you have an enlightened, powerful country that devolved over a decade and a half into one of the murderous places, but we should also think about Rwanda. What we've seen in more recent years is genocides in Rwanda, where tribal calls went out over the radio and neighbors started slaughtering neighbors in Rwanda like we don't even want to talk about what went on there because it breaks the pattern that says you know what if if our kids play soccer together or if we work together or if we share some common idea let's let's just work on that which we all agree on i just don't think that works i wish it did i've tried to explore it there's just nothing in human experience you look at african-americans in the military in world war ii and korean war and in vietnam and they're like we were together on the battlefield saved each other's lives i got home and you said i couldn't eat in your restaurant like it's just there's no proof at all that proximity and closeness is going to be the solution so I feel like we're out of ideas as a nation. Like, well, I don't know, then what else do we do? Well, we thought education would do it, right? We thought, you know what we should do, let's educate people, that'll solve the problem. And we still do this. I'm ranting for a minute, so give me a second here, Paul. Dan knows, no, no, and we get, about, no, no. we get about 58 minutes in, I start losing my, my mind. Um, we say things like, well, you know what, if higher education is gonna solve this. Oh, really? You wanna talk about Josh Hawley, Yale Educate? You, you wanna talk about Ted Cruz? You want to talk about all the Yale-educated lawyers and Harvard-educated lawyers that were trying to overthrow the last election? Like, you go down the list of what we have thought would be the solutions, proximity, closeness, shared values, uh, you know, uh, diversification, next generation, education. And my gosh, I mean, in one way, you said that the closeness, you know, seeing the insurrection that close inside the Senate, dais is really it pinpoints it and i'm with you other than the fact that a few hours later senators went into that dais and did the same thing still voted to not certify the election right and so did congress people so the you know the call is coming from inside the house yeah that's a that's a that's a real phrase so i'm just i'm puzzled and i think you're on to something that's why i wanted to talk to you about this today like okay if if i'm right and i'm not just and i Here's the crazy i feel like i'm an optimist and i think things are going to be okay but i'm like it's not going to be okay because we're just going to like you know build a soccer field in the middle of town we're all going to gather together in the town square because the town square is also where people would you know like lynch other people and people would stand around and cheer it so i don't know this like center set let's find something to agree on and not talk about what we don't agree on doesn't get isn't going to get there so all right, uh, we're philosophizing the problem. Well, well
1: put. But no, uh, I, I, do you I, think
0: there's something you got? You got some got some hope for? A, you know,
1: again, for I'm a nice an optimist like you, and the only thing that I, I'm very pessimistic. And in my video, I go through real things that happened. You know, originally we thought that these groups, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, were just about race. You know, race, ethnicity, skin mm-hmm. color. And Then they go up to Boise and 31 of them get arrested uh, because they were, and I start the video with celebrating. Progressives like to celebrate the United States. So we go and we have peaceful parades to celebrate our sexuality. And suddenly you have this group that was the Charlottesville group that, you know, that actually was going to go do bad things, not because of skin color, Right. but because of sexual, to your word, identity. And so I am really pessimistic, uh, the optimist is pessimistic because it gets back to that question of what is America? And these are irreconcilable ideas. Yes. And I say over and over, and I beat the dead horse, um, that tens, and I say tens of millions because not all Democrats are like AOC, or not all Democrats are like Kamala. Not all of them are, you know. Kamala marched in San Francisco. Not all Democrats, Tim Kaine probably didn't. Maybe I don't know. But my point let's is that you, Joe you have, Manchin, let's say, probably yeah. Jim Joe Manchin certainly didn't. <laughs> um, but you. Well, have- Kirsten the, Cinema,
0: right? Kirsten Cinema, curiously, a a uh, uh, ran as a alternative life and lifestyle culture person, the the bisexual person in from arizona as a democrat is with joe manchin on all this stuff like when it's Manchin in cinema so again even things like that that's not the whole story right there's there's these yeah. other sorry sorry to interrupt but
1: yeah no i mean she's an anomaly uh but the point is how do you reconcile a group that is is giddy and raises hundreds of millions of dollars because they believe that this project is about radical liberty, almost like social libertarianism, like leave me the F alone. I want to live my gay or trans or queer or black or multicultural or whatever. Like that is what the first amendment is about. And yet this other side that believes that that flamboyant celebration, that momentum, that thing we see, is the threat to the entire project i don't see how that's reconciled in any way
0: okay so somewhere like in 1991 something like this i was um a pastor at a big mega church here in the area was just finishing seminary and moved between two uh places a christian bookstore On on one on one given day i was in a christian bookstore picking up some curriculum for this job that I had.
1: Remember those?
0: I do remember those. Yeah, this was a, a local Christian bookstore, right, N- right, Northwestern right. Northwestern Book and Bible. I remember it very well. Um, I, I bought it when I, yeah, uh, bought music and stuff there. So anyway, I was picking up something there and they had a, a newspaper that was put out for the Christian community, like a little, you know, small newspaper they used to do those things too, called the Minnesota Christian Chronicle. And the cover story on it was how the radical left is wanting to destroy America and you're under threat. Something like this, right? That was on the, on the cover. I, in the afternoon, later in the afternoon, I was in a coffee shop in in Minneapolis uh, and it was a place that had a magazine out for the LGBTQ community called The Advocate. On the cover of that magazine, same, very similar shape and style and everything was, how conservative Christians are a threat to our country and are going to ruin who who we are as a country. And I remember having these two in my hand in the car and this conversion-like epiphany of this is what's going on. And one way I could have said it was, oh, the media is drumming this up. But both of these magazines have gone out of business. They were They were labors of love on both sides. But right. they truly did see the other and were producing a newspaper with the cover saying the other is the threat truly, truly the threat. And that hasn't changed. That's probably just intensified. Now, now you could see it. If the algorithms let you in split screen on your computer, right? right? If you were, um, the, the old algorithms of like, if you go to the Christian bookstore, you don't right. go to this coffee shop is how we, how we kept those worlds apart. Right. Now, that was analog.
1: That was analog. Yeah, the, <laughs>
0: that was analog right now. The digital a- a- algorithm just repeats that. And people are very happy with it. We were very happy that those worlds never crossed and we still want that to happen. Which is why progressive, when when you start breaking the rules and say, like, you're a progressive Republican or you're a progressive evangelical, people are like, whoa, 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 like, we know how these things land. That's, you know, it's like vegan meat. There ain't no vegan meat. You know? Right. <laughs> uh, those, are, those are meant why? to be obvious. then you get the impossible burger at burger king and you say wow that whopper is actually
1: really quite great but there are and this is this is when i ran for congress i i had a little bit of a strategy and a theory which was many of these total fiscal conservatives whose economic policy comes down to i want to pay lower lower taxes because i make 10 million dollars a year i mean so they like many republicans like the idea of you know lower taxes obviously because it saves them money like plato said democracy is the worst form of government. Every desire gets a vote. So lower taxes, but they're chill with same, you know, same sex marriage. And they don't think that the government should be messing with a woman's right to choose. And so I do think there is this space on the right. um, And it's increasing. And now I live in Southern California. I live in California where it's not Tennessee or it's not, you know, uh, you know, it's not the Deep South.
0: Well, Paul, look, I think um, I think this stuff is worth is worth talking about. You know, I'm a big fan of talk therapy. I think it's good. I don't think it's just a waste of time. I think uh, what we do when we talk about these things is we manifest worlds, and we bring them into clarity, and they um, allow us to examine our impulses and our beliefs. And I know your sec your third video, which people should watch, is about you know the relationship we have to our own beliefs. Uh, I really love that stuff. Like if people aren't familiar with philosophy of belief, it's really great. Um, in fact, it undergirds a whole lot of things that we do in our society. Like how does somebody beat an addiction or how do you overcome uh, a blockage in your life or how do you uh, lose weight and eat differently on Noom? It's all about the belief patterns that we're not choosing, especially in the religious community, because the community that I came from, the kind of evangelicals really liked decision theology in fact billy graham had a magazine called decision magazine it was all about decide you know uh, i've decided to follow jesus so you make a decision and you pivot and you can make all kinds of decisions but the beliefs that are still like you said are living rent free in your in your life or the dark passengers as the show dexter put it that travel with you as you move through life they don't tend to go away easily and they weren't put there by cognitive choice mm-hmm. Nope. They got there by a whole lot of other things. You have to all of a sudden start to investigate, like, why do I feel this way mm-hmm. when I talk about these things? Um, because it allows us to do things to one another and to ourselves that in moments of clarity, we would say, it was totally wrong for me to do that. You know, if you've ever been in a relationship where like you, someone's yelled at you and then later they said, you know, like, I'm sorry, I just kind of lost myself and I yeah. But you also really did a harmful thing when you lost your like that. So what's going on there. And we just lose ourselves in this country when these topics come up, because you can say all you want, like I'm into taxes. That's really what it's all about, but not really. Cause you know, or, or I yeah. just want to protect people's individual freedoms to be who they are. And you're like, but that's not really the thing that terrifies me about, you know, fill in the blank, uh, Republican or extremist or something. Um, so, all right. Well, anything else? Dan, anything in that chat that we should definitely point out? Uh I've been trying to been trying to read it uh a bit as we go. Is there is there something you think would be particularly helpful?
1: It was a good uh good healthy chat. Uh a lot of just questions like how do I talk to someone who isn't even dealing with the same set of facts? Like how do I talk to someone who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who isn't even uh agreeing on the same reality? And I think that's that is tough.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think this is what Paul is really getting at: is that if you believe somehow that you're ever talking to someone who's operating under the same set of facts, and believe you, you're not. Like this, I know that's kind of become a thing that we use in our culture now when we say a lot, like because I, some politician said something that's just totally wrong. It's like quoting Einstein and saying that Einstein said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. No, he didn't. And no, it isn't. Okay, that's just a bad, in my view, it's just a bad. But this idea that like, hey, you can have your same beliefs, but you don't get to choose your facts. Yeah. Yes, you do. People choose their facts all the time because facts are made up of little data points and data points are made up of what you think is important versus not important. And that actually comes back to the things that you value versus that you don't value. So you dig down deep on anybody's fact structure And pretty soon the fact structure turns into a series of choices. So we don't operate like some 1950s police show where the facts and only the facts map. So I think the first thing we do when you feel frustrated and talking to somebody who doesn't start from the same starting point as you do is do everything you can to get to their starting point rather than saying to them, you've begun at the wrong starting point. If you truly want to understand or you want to engage or something. And I'm not saying you give sympathy or you give uh, credibility, but just start where they're starting, you know, Um, and, and all of a sudden you'll realize that their ideas fall short just like yours do. Like you think about any idea you hold really deeply for more than 20 sentences and you let somebody make a run at you for three minutes who disagrees with you. You're probably going to start thinking maybe I don't have this all tied up the way that I thought I did. That's a good thing. It's okay. Like we're not one side is not facts and the other side opinions. Is I guess what I'm I'm sort of turning into that postmodern philosopher and I'm like yeah. I can't believe we have to now tell Democrats to try a little postmodern theory <laughs> yeah. uh, would, on understanding would, how
1: truth is constructed. I would only add, and, and I could be accused as sounding elitist, but I'll go ahead and take it on the chin. Um, Socrates had this fascinating uh concept that all evil is really really reduces to ignorance so taking hitler Mm. uh, he was ignorant of the value inherent value of human life that would be kind of the the, you know an, an example and we are in interesting times in that anybody anybody now can have access to information and some people just and i'm not trying to be rude but just do not have the academic sophistication to be able to delineate, (laughs) just because something's in writing. Oh, I read it. Like there is a group of tens of millions of people Mm -hmm. that just reduce reading something to being a fact. They don't understand that the New York Times cannot just make stuff up and put it on their front page, that they would have libel lawsuits. They don't understand that. And so all print is equal where we know that Dan Rather was fired by CBS as one of the premier journalists of American history for fudging and exaggerating George W. Bush's um, track record in the National Guard. And so many people, and I would again say on the right more than the left, just don't quite understand that the Washington Post or the New York Times Or CNN in their news section, they don't know the difference between op-ed and news, yeah. And that's a big problem because everything they read, therefore, is in writing and therefore it's a fact. That's a really tough one. I mean, really, it wasn't Trump supporters; those were all Antifa people. I mean, how do you debate that? You can't, right? Right. (laughs) Mm.
0: So we're we're going to tomorrow. We'll have on as a guest uh, our regular uh, guest, our regular co-host, who's Paul Wallace who's an astrophysicist and a pastor and a professor and so we're going to talk about space and we're going to talk about the james webb telescope and every time we get into deep science stuff which we do in this little chat that we have around here i'm sort of reminded that to construct my understanding of science i just have to decide to believe some people and not believe other people i haven't done the math i literally can't do the math on the james webb telescope like if someone pushed me as like other than, other, other than the fact that someone told you that that James Webb telescope is taking pictures of, you know, the past and light, you know, that's, that emanated a billion years ago. How do you know that's true? Have you done your own research? No, I haven't. Uh, you know what I do? I talk to Paul Wallace and I, I get Scientific America and I read some things. That's how, in fact, most of my life is. If you asked me, was Bob Padgett really your father? Did you ever do the DNA? Did you ever test it, or did you just like go off what your mom and dad told you? I mean, really, that's what you, I'm like, okay, I could show you pictures of me when I'm 12, and my dad when I'm 12, or me right now, and my dad when he is 56? Oh, yeah, but that's not enough. Have you proved it? Of course not. In fact, most of the things you operate in your life around are things you've taken somebody's word for it. So what you end up with, and this is what the philosophy of belief tells you is you're going to pick some chosen authority figures in your life. So when you meet someone who says something like, I think 9-11 was a conspiracy theory, or I think that, you know, uh, Trump did everything he could, or, you know, fill in the blank, um, or I think Obama also separated families. No, they haven't done the research. In fact, if amateurs have done research on stuff like that, they're probably just looking up somebody else's research. Like they're not out doing the research. Are you kidding me? They're just finding another set of authorities that they choose to give credence to. That's all we have. So I guess my point is, don't be hard on people when what they say is, I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another you've been messing around. That's a great, <laughs> that's a yeah. great song. Yeah. Lyric. Yeah. Because that's all we've got. You heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody and you believe it's true. And lots of ways we chat, te- we test that and we validate it. And you know, I have no reason to doubt my dad's. You know paternity and i have no reason to doubt paul wallace is an astrophysicist and the james webb telescope is up there and i have no reason to doubt you know that termeculates what brought down building number seven well, i don't believe I, that i, I don't I, believe I think,
1: that at all i think that's utter nonsense that i something. think we're wrapping up soon but i think it's a great if we but are it's a know. great way to conclude because w- the research now done on the fragility of our democracy Uh, is largely based on the mistrust of institutions, which of course, Steve Bannon and Donald Trump went after from day one. And we're talking about, I mean, when you go, you've been to Washington DC, Doug, we've been there together. I remember the first time I went in, I think 2008, and you see these buildings like Mm -hmm. Department of Commerce, (laughs) Department of State, and it's like, wow, this is a concept, but like thousands and thousands of people work in these departments, the National Institutes of Health, the Department of Health and Human Services, which is the largest, um, you start to realize that perhaps in the case of your father, that's a kind of a micro case. But when it comes to conspiracy theories, let's say vaccinations, if you combine the WHO, the NIH, the CDC, the AMA, you're talking about tens of thousands of scientists. Tens of thousands, who just because they work for the CDC or the NIH, they're all emailing, they're all in this together, trying to find a cure. And so what many people don't understand is when it comes to institutions, the CIA, which Trump attacked, the DOJ, you're 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 attacking <laughs> the FBI, yeah. The yeah. FBI. Like we're not it, it's you know, and so I I think that's again where we're, we're in trouble because now institutions, entire institutions, or you you brought up government, like, what is government? What is what do you explain to me what government is? I know it's at least 50 governors. I know it's 435 House members and 100 senators, right? But this thing is very complex. But you have people saying, well, the government dot dot dot. Yep. What the hell are they even talking about? Yeah,
0: no, I hear. Government. Yep. yep. And then, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, flashback to yesterday. And then the secret service deletes a bunch of emails from january 5th and 6th and you say to yourself yeah no i think these people can do all." Co-. trump leads an insurrection and thousands of people who knew what he did on that day stayed silent until a committee put them under oath then they told the truth so yep yep and this so this is the fragility even of our authority structures right or you know the same argument has been made about religion. Like, look, you're not going to get two thousand years of conspiracy theories built up, or oh no, you'll exa- get exactly that. <laughs> That's exactly how this thing goes. Like yeah. the power of bel- so we're we're going to hold everything a little loosely, and when it doesn't function well, you know, when I first came across Howard Zinn's The People's History of America, and like, oh yeah, the things I just knew as history that were not true or the myriad podcasts I listen to that are like how they lied to you in kindergarten or revisionist history, or these are, are like, well, there's a piece of truth that people knew that I didn't know. So how did these people know it? And I didn't know it. And what, who's been keeping this from me? And I realize, well, nobody's been keeping it from me. It's just, there's a lot. So we, we live in this fragile space of like, yeah, even when we get a lot of support for our ideas and we're, we should always hold it with a bit of, with a bit of humility and as a religious person a religious leader I'll say whenever somebody then says you don't have to because it's been blessed by god so it now plays by a different set of rules watch out for that one because that's one of the older uh, that's one of the older tricks in the in the book so we have a fragility of belief and we should have some contingencies in in our beliefs it doesn't mean you don't function you know it doesn't mean I didn't say happy fathers day or it doesn't mean that i don't you know, sit on a chair, even though I don't really understand the physics of how a chair can possibly work because everything is, mo- is you know, uh, atoms in motion, you still live your life. And I don't know where I'm going with any of that other than it just sort of blows my mind. <laughs> I mean, and the <laughs> other day I heard the fact that 50% of our DNA and every human being is non-human DNA. And I was just like, I mean, I literally truly was on a walk listening to a podcast that was said,
1: I stopped. And, and that means it's true because you heard it on a podcast. Just like, look at that. Do you see to,
0: that That's pro move right there? That I, is do, I do. Move. I don't know
1: how we missed this, Doug, but one of the things that has fascinated me around abortion uh, is how in talking about beliefs, I've been um, evangelicals, and you know this history very well. It was a response to liberal theology in the early 19th century, and the fundamentalists came together, and they had this kind of very rigid view of we're gonna look at the scripture, we're gonna interpret it for what it says, and we're not gonna add anything to it. And what has fascinated me in the last year is the brute fact, undeniable reality, that abortion was widely practiced since the beginning of history, Um, You can look at tools that were used, sorry, but in ancient times. And yet somehow the biggest issue that evangelicals who are Bible-based have in this country is abortion, something that is never mentioned in the Scripture. And Jeremiah 1 is a joke for anybody serious about biblical interpretation because it said, I knew you before you were in. Your mother's womb, so clearly he was (laughs) he was talking about God's um, uh, omniscience, not soul life. Yeah, but I, I thinking of beliefs. I, um, you know, I think there's an argument to be made, uh, a serious argument for the importance of a sanctity of life, not in the blastula stage, but a little bit further down the road. But it baffles me the abortion issue. If you look at the history, which I'm sure you know, Jim Crow and Bob right. Jones University, and how the Republican Party in the early 1970s, after the Southern Baptists three times upheld in their convention a woman's right to choose, yeah. the, Paul Weyrich came along and said, "'We need a new issue,' he picked abortion, and the rest is history." But for evangelicals, that they base that in scripture is, is I, I'm, I know nothing, uh, because we're not supposed to add anything to scripture jesus and anyone in the scriptures who talked about caring for others talked about caring for the born never one time for the unborn
0: yeah saw a little salutation in an email one time from somebody that said don't believe everything you think it's a great line right (laughs) sort of sort of plays plays with that idea right like yeah you think it but you know hold it with a little bit of caution and when you start knowing these histories as you've done with the abortion debate and sure people will argue and they should look we were the Southern Baptists and the National Association of Evangelicals, who also supported Roe versus Wade when it passed in 1972, they were just wrong about that. We've learned a lot since then. They were wrong then. They're right now. Fair enough. And I'm like, okay, as long as we can go there, that the institutions you've trusted have been wrong, then it leaves the possibility that they're also wrong now, right? Like (laughs) Maybe they were right then and wrong now, because if they were wrong then and right now, then that seems like that's a possibility. So as long as you can get there, that there's something, yeah. but that's really hard for a lot of us, frankly, is, is to hold that. And then to not feel like somehow that capitulates to the other side and become alarmist about it. Um, you know, that, that also that a little quippy joke, you know, just cause you're paranoid doesn't mean people aren't out to get you is true. And just because, <laughs> you know, you maybe are alarmist about what the United States Supreme court will do doesn't mean they're not going to do it. They very well could. Um, you know, I think about a lot about when, the, when the, the, the five people on the U.S. Supreme Court like this idea of originalist thought. And you'd say something like, well, what would the f- founders or what would the writers of the Constitution have been thinking when they wrote this, this piece in the Constitution? Well, first of all, what they'd probably be thinking if they were looking at the Supreme Court in 2022 was they're all Catholics. What are you talking about? The Supreme Court can't be full of Catholics because Catholics were a minority that were persecuted and kept out of leadership in the United States, right? So the idea that it's only the words and not the people, like, of course all this stuff changes. Like, it would have been just crazy talk to these people to have thought that it, this the Supreme Court that's interpreting the Constitution are Catholics. Like, they couldn't even get beyond, like, what would you that would have been such a thing in that day because they were the, they were the set aside group. So it, it's just so complicated. And this stuff is really hard. And if, so if anybody thinks our, our Republic democracy is, is unshakable, it's, it's just not, it's being made on a, on a day by day basis. And, you know, we'll probably, we're probably all old enough that some remnant of it will be along as long as we're alive. So, you know, Fair enough. There, uh, yeah, I think for, I think also. Know, I mean, we haven't
1: happen. talked about guns yet, but to this idea of originalism, I think I'm right in saying that at the time, <laughs> a firearm, the, the maximum shot per minute was one because it took a minute to take the old bullet out and put the new one in. Um, there was no capacity, no pun intended, <laughs> to for these guys to have imagined magazines uh, and semi you know, AR-15s and Uh, They couldn't have imagined. So, uh, you know, now we're getting into hermeneutics ultimately, but there's just absolutely no way that we could be strict constructionists when it comes to an issue like guns, simply because an arm back then meant something very different than what these people are spraying into classrooms today. I'm sure our founders would have looked at that second amendment very differently had they known that technologically speaking, we'd be in a very different place.
0: Well, and even the former Supreme Court from the middle two thousands. And probably the current one would say, so of course, the government can limit some weapons. You can't have a rocket launcher, even though I was at the NRA convention a couple of weeks ago and they had, and they had rocket launchers there. Yeah. On the, on the show floor, um, which you can buy, you can buy a rocket launcher from them. The curious thing is what you can't buy is the thing you propel out of a rocket launcher. So it'd be like, you could buy a gun, but you can't buy bullets. And of course people would say a machine gun, like an automatic weapon. Yeah. We can ban a machine gun, you know, Colloquially called a machine gun. Well, okay, then you're just picking how many bullets per second you can fire. So if you can ban one or a rocket launcher, of course you can ban. Like people can't have armed drones, all kinds of things they can't have that you'd call arms. So it's just a ridiculous argument that it's the Second Amendment.
1: It, oh, okay,
0: we won't go off on that. We'll do it another time, Paul. Would you come back and we can go off about guns for a while? Uh, I'd, I'd love to. But but as, we, as, we, as, we,
1: as we get to the end of this at some point, Doug.
0: I there, really there's do. no
1: end it's all a big circle it, and a big it, well you know, that it just comes <laughs> down and Fontes. this is what I, tr- I tried to say unsuccessfully loyalty mm-hmm. why do we why do we die for our sports teams why is there this why do i love the the dodgers i grew up in southern california i i really do like this team there's a it's really <laughs> irrational because if i would have grown up in, in where you live I would feel the same intensity for the twins you know most likely or the vikings right maybe not but we do have these in a benign sense these loyalties to say a sports team and then and then you know I grew up roman catholic we have these devout loyalties to the denomination of mm-hmm. which we were raised in many cases and that's fairly benign but when it comes to my political party and my political party espousing policies that are destructive to the lives of innocent people. I was talking to a lady the other day and, and she's a mom. And I said, hey, and I know she's a Republican. And I said, hey, just help me understand this is right after the shooting in um, in Chicago. And I said, "Like, what about these semi-automatic guns? And she said, well, we have a major mental health issue in this country that we need. This is the talking point, of course, of the right. And she said, um, you know, I just wanna say my husband is law-abiding, he's never been arrested, and him and his friends have the right, because he has an AR-15, I didn't know this about her at all. He has an AR-15 and they take him to the shooting range and they they do it, you know, they do it safely, and they love doing that, and their right should not be taken away. And I kind of reduced that to, so it's really important for your upper middle-class husband to go with his buddies and play with toys. Yeah. Like, really, that's where we, this is a mother. Like, there yes. was no sense of these weapons are meant to blow big, gaping holes in the enemy's bodies to kill them. And I just thought, is this where we're at as a nation yeah. where a mother can't say, you know, you're right, my husband can, you know, get a video game or, you know, get a, single shot gun, but her, her argument was he has the right to go have fun with his friends. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I know nothing about anything anymore.
0: That's right. And somehow that person's probably an otherwise not so complicated person, maybe even a really lovely person, probably does some really good things in the world. And then there's this, and it just makes you get that turn of the, you know, like a dog with the turn of the head look like, really? Okay. Well, this is, um, uh, yeah. And this is, uh, this is, this is people turning on one another. I, I, I bring this up a lot. So regular listeners and anybody who's like listened an hour and 31 minutes already is like, you know, you're a regular, uh, around here to this conversation, or if not, you you, you ought to count yourself as one. Um, the Hebrew scriptures begin with the story of the son of God, having a son who kills the other son of God, right? so what we're dealing with is a human condition that kills one another so if you start there not going to depravity or anything all that nonsense theological explanations people kill each other call it a mental health crisis whatever you want well the one thing you'd want to do what you're not going to do in the human condition is get rid of people and one the other thing we're not going to do is get rid of people that have a mental health crisis they're going to be around so if the problem is the combination of a hum- of mental health crisis and dangerous weapons, only one of those two things can you get rid of. So maybe until we solve the mental health crisis, we should just get rid of the other half of the equation, right? Like just temporarily, let's say the next 5,000 years of human development until we solve mental health issues that seem to be in the United States differently than anywhere else in the world. Maybe until we solve that problem, we should just stop this bad combination. <laughs> I don't know why that argument isn't being made by more people instead. Why do of... you mean
1: so practical,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, when people say, like, you know, uh, people don't kill people, guns kill people. I have a friend that says, well, actually, bullets kill people. And if you really want to solve this problem, let people have their guns and just make bullets, you know, inaccessible. It's a pretty good pretty good argument like no more you can't make any more bullets until that once they're all gone then they're all gone it's another another argument to the whole thing because you can't because you're not going to solve the human crisis so yeah. maybe solve may- maybe solve the other one uh, well what new
1: zealand it, did or australia did still again but that's just we're dealing with rational pragmatic solutions the buyback uh issue but again there's well you were at the cult gathering in houston mm-hmm um and uh we we're in, okay so
0: uh, i am gonna do a whole explanation video about what happened that day sometime I here but I'll just i just just can't i mean I've been, so a,
1: I've been to a republic uh, republican and i'm sure you have convention or gathering oh, yeah. that was weird enough but uh i can't With imagine the floor that, right?
0: the 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 110 acres of demonstration booths and stuff you know in the convention center at houston for the nra convention uh in, in august or in may here that i was at was unbelievable in order to get in, we had to had to pay money to get in. And the only way you can pay money to get in, which I wanted to do because I really want to hear from these people and learn from them. So yeah. the $35 that I paid for two of us to get in wasn't that bad of a deal. But the only way you do that, because you can't just pay to go in, you have to become a member. So you buy a one-year membership for two people for $35. So now technically I'm a member of the NRA. So as an NRA member, I want to say, let's shut this organization down. It's a terrorist <laughs> group and it needs to, needs to end. I'm saying that as an NRA member. Right. right which i'm totally opposed to but then that caused this morning just before we came on for me to get a toll-free phone call which occasionally i answer and i chose to on this this particular moment and it was somebody from the nra saying can you do you want to update your membership for five more years so they're fundraising and what did he say he said well and i said well like what do you do with the money you know if, if i do this and he said well as you know and then he starts describing joe biden and all the things they're going to do and It all goes to identity. So the thing that they were saying on the fundraising call to me was, you have to help us to stop these bad people because all the Democrats and two rhino Republicans voted to do this. And Canada is going to do this and starts to build a world like an anime, you know, cartoon builds a false world that then says, here's what's coming. If you don't update your membership. It wasn't about, I mean, it wasn't about laws or anything. It was about, we have to protect the second amendment and you have to help us do that because these people want to take it from you and started naming names. And I was just like, no, when we were coming into this conversation, I was just like, there it is, right? Like, it's not about policies or not about anything. They didn't say the the gun bill is this or that. It was just all about, you can't let Joe Biden have any more power. You can't let AOC and Nancy Pelosi, you know, um. Do, do all so it was your team is going to lose if yeah. their team if and their it team goes
1: wins. not you know not trying to pimp my show but it again goes to one side that is 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 progressive in terms of diversity and celebration of diversity and the other side's afraid and what yeah. he said is uh, you better give us money because this is happening we got to shut it down yeah and th- that's where we're at
0: funny enough then when I said to him, well, like, what do you actually do with the money? He said, well, we always do. And I said, yeah, but what is that? And he said, you know, like we buy TV commercials. <laughs> so I said, I'm not interested in giving you money to buy TV commercials, <laughs> like, which, which was true, but also it was just inane, like, okay, really? Like your response to whatever big cataclysm you've just described about how we're gonna lose America because the second amendment's gonna go away. And then your response is that I update my membership for a five year that I'm going to get a deal on. I'm only going to pay for two and a half years. So first of all, really, I'm committed to saving America, but I want to save a buck. And then what you're going to do with that money that I saved a buck on was buy a TV commercial. Like, it's just insane. So you realize it has nothing to do with the TV commercials, has nothing to do with the tote bag that I was offered or duffel bag that was embroidered that I was offered. It just (laughs) all had to do with you did a good thing today. You helped the good people do the good thing. And there it is. Right. That even the people breaking into the Capitol see themselves as the hero. And boy, if we don't start in any conversation with our friends, with the belief, with the recognition that the other person believes that they're the hero. They're not the villain. They might be the victim, you know, of of heroes, villains and victims. Mm -hmm. You might be the victim. Mm -hmm. You probably are the hero. You're certainly not the villain. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's fascinating which is a, which is a thing. All right. Is that, is that enough hour, 37 minutes and 42 seconds of, it's uh, of been talking about no,
1: it's been is, great. Is I, I it. It's been a while. All
0: right. Well, thank you. And, uh, you know, um, uh, enjoy your lunch. Uh, now that you've uh, woken up in California at 8am and you're, you're now approaching, approaching lunchtime. So thanks for staying hey, And everybody that listens, lot. uh, Dave and, and, and Clayton and Peggy, and just all the people over here, I'm sort of sc- scanning Mike, uh, jim all of you for your steve uh, nan all the people and if you're on, a, on one of our streams and you don't see all these comments it's because they come from youtube and they come from twitter and they come from uh facebook and all those places the only real place to watch this though is on youtube which is also where you can find paul martin's uh work and the paul martin show uh which could lead you to an antiques uh show on youtube it's also probably worth your time but make sure you find this paul martin when you're looking for all that <laughs> all that over there uh, the the uh, the, uh, the other Paul Martin, uh, just like the flight of the flight of the Concords thing, where they're like we're the third uh, New Zealand's third most famous uh, pop pop band, right. pop band. Right. Right. the second most famous Paul Martin on on YouTube. All right, is that good, Dan? Anything Great. else from you? No, that's good. Speaking of lunch for you, it's like two o'clock in the uh, uh, yeah. Uh, o'clock and, yeah time, okay, to, yeah, time land to, to land the plane. All right, hey uh, <laughs> hey hey, let's land the plane and. uh And see you tomorrow. Uh, We're going to be talking with Paul, astrophysicist Paul Wallace. So get your astrophysicist self uh, uh, on the podcast tomorrow. If I go for another 45 seconds, we'll make an hour and 40 minutes, which will be our fifth longest uh, podcast ever. (laughs) In other words, we can go longer. All right. uh, Try to find a way to love each other, would you?
1: It's been a pleasure.